to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by the SATC Solutions Center. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. diversity podcast with Savannah and Nora discussing being female in society and in the workplace. Um, I want to talk to the two of you. I've actually been really excited to have this chat with Savannah and Nora about being female and uh, not even just in the legal field, but in the world, because, you know, this starts, I'm sure, at birth where, you know, it's just different in so many ways, but I want to talk about your experience with being female. And so first, um, Savannah, I'll have you share a little bit about your background in your education, because I think that'll be really helpful. And then sort of, uh, Savannah's from a different area of the country. She's from the South, from North Carolina, (laughs) right? Um, oh, I'm from Virginia. I went to college in North Carolina. Okay. Yes. Well, it's the South, so it's very different, um, than, than what we've experienced here. And so I'm really interested to hear about your experience growing up, you know, being a kid, uh, as a female in the South. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I did grow up in Virginia. I grew up on the East coast, um, ended up going to college in North Carolina before moving to Sherman. Chicago first to go to University of Chicago, got my master's in uh, religious studies, which is not a theology degree. It's a sociology degree based in religion. Um, I started working here and then I went to law school. Um, So I have um, my undergraduate degrees in religious studies and English, my uh, master's degree in religious studies. And now I, I just finished my JD as well as a master's in public policy. And um, so I, I've been thinking about this, all of these topics a lot um, for several years. Um, my focus was in American religion, which really, um, it's really telling about the history of America, I think. Um, but I am, anyone who knows me knows I am a staunch intersectional feminist catch me yelling at people about intersectionalism, racism, feminism, uh, pretty much any point in time. Um, And I've been very lucky that they continue to allow me to do that um, here at SATC while I'm doing my legal work. Um, But yeah, um, so I'm the oldest of five children. And growing up... um, Well, I'll say that now that I am almost an attorney, when I was younger, this would definitely not have been expected of me. It was definitely expected of me that I would grow up, uh, maybe, you know, go to college, but probably not get a degree in anything too serious. Um, It would be for the purpose of pretty much getting a husband, and then I would get a husband and have children (laughs) and start that 
the cycle all over again. Um, yeah. So I'd say that, I mean, my parents were great. I was never told I couldn't do anything because I was a girl, but um, it was more like some things I had to sort of ask to do that um, my brothers would never have to ask to do. It, it didn't occur to them. Um, and so people are always surprised that I continued to go to school. Um, coming out was a whole other story. Um, so, you know, I'm on a very different life path than the South expected of me. And it was just, just always that much harder to get heard and seen and to get people to listen to me. And it was never, if people heard I was working at a law firm, I think they would assume that I was a legal assistant or something before they would assume I was an attorney. Um, But more, you know, just, just a subtle, subtle attacks, you know, throughout my life, just, undercutting it a little bit and being a a little girl in the south or or just even in general i don't want to pick on the south but just being (laughs) a little girl um i think more now with uh with powerful voices like uh michelle obama like beyonce like other celebrities um, or people in power who have said, you know, girls matter, mm-hmm. girls should be educated the same as boys, girls should be told they can do anything because they can. Um, I know that you weren't told exactly that you could do the same thing as boys. Um, did you feel like there was a ceiling? Like, if you got to this point, you should just be happy that you're there. Uh I guess I have two parts to this question. One, did you feel like there was a ceiling? Like this is the this is where you should reach to, but don't try and go above here. And then number two, um, I kind of assume there is always an expectation for females that the ultimate goal is to take is to have and take care of the household. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, yes, you can get educated. Yes, you can have a job, but ultimately. Once you have kids, which you're supposed to have kids, once you have kids, like you put all that aside and now that's your focus. Did you feel that way growing up? Oh, yeah, it was definitely I think it's sort of the same answer for both parts of your question is that the ceiling was marriage and a family Hmm. there. Like you could, you know, have a job for a little while if you wanted. But really, by the time you're 30, which, you know, watch out, it's coming. (laughs) um, You should really be married and have some kids at least on the way um and it when i was growing up the the jobs that seemed open to me were uh being a teacher or a nurse Mm. those other things that are predominantly women's fields which it's a whole other story don't get me started on how we should be uplifting those jobs and paying those (laughs) workers more but um yeah, it was a definite ceiling. Everything was very gendered, you know, and growing up, um, you know, if I played sports, it was always on all girls teams. Um, I didn't ever start playing sports until it was like 
I'm the oldest. I have um, a brother that's two years younger than me. And it like we always started all the sports we played, we started at the same time because it was like, oh, let's get Trevor into sports. That's my brother. And then it was sort of an afterthought of, oh, Savannah could do this too. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you know, I was playing sports. I was um, involved in theater and things in high school. Um but at the same time, it was an, always an expectation that, um, you know, I needed to be home to do certain things. Um, you know, if the kitchen needed to be cleaned or if dinner needed to be made, I needed to be home to do that. If my siblings needed to be picked up from school, um, just things that were never put on my brother. Um, it's like things like that, like very early on training me to be a homemaker above all else. <laughs> Yeah, and your brother, if I remember correctly, is younger than you are? Yeah, I'm the oldest. So it was definitely one of those, like, they didn't have those thoughts as you were going through that age. But then once your brother came along, they thought, oh, he might enjoy this. And then they're like, oh, okay, maybe Savannah could do it too. Exactly. Exactly. So kind of being passed up in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Nora, can you share your experience with being female in CPS and sort of what it was like being educated here and then, like, being a girl? Uh, in your household, kind of how your parents encouraged you? Yes, I don't know. Like, you know, listening to Savannah, I'm thinking back, and I don't know if I can identify like specific things about me, like just being a girl. What really resonates with me is, I guess, being a girl, but also being like the first generation, um, you know, of within the family and like getting educated here. And like pretty much I had to, with me, like my, um, on my journey, I had to kind of do everything on my own, like figure out like, what is the next move? You know, what, like what high school, what um, college or, you know, do I want to go to college? And that was all kind of figured out and like set for myself. Like I said, those goals for myself. Um, does mm-hmm. does CPS have any any sort of programming when you were going through it? Anything to help you navigate that process as a first generation student, or were you just sort of left to your own devices to figure out how to get into your school? Yeah, I was pretty much left to my own devices. Like they do have, I mean, you know, like a counselor, but I remember mm-hmm. just. I mean, they are very overwhelmed. It's, you know, exactly. a handful of counselors for a whole school. Yeah, I remember just the one and, you know, just meeting her with her once and just leaving, you know, exactly the same as I walked in. Like, wait, still not understanding the process or, you know, so that's mm-hmm. um, kind of then I was lucky enough then to be surrounded, like, well, you know, to have a supportive family. But it was just like, okay, you you know, create your own path. And then I was also lucky to be surrounded by like strong, like um, influential friends who, you know, they encouraged me and like, this is the path that they were setting for themselves, you know, it was expected of them. So I've kind of, I you know I was thankful that I was surrounded by a good group of people. And then, I, you know, where I could mm-hmm. say, that, yeah, that's what I want to do as well. Yeah. And um, so those are mostly the experiences, you know, that I could connect with or that, then, you know, same in like college, I had to set all of that up for myself as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, speaking of uh, perspectives that, you know, kind of only a woman can have, um, I don't know if you would be willing to talk about it, but I do know that you have a daughter. Um, and so just what is, what's it been like for you navigating 
the working world while also like being a working mom. Yeah, no, exactly. And how, you know, how you mentioned that, you know, coming from the South, that, you know, right now you'd be expected to have, you know, to be married maybe and like have some kids. But um, with me now, um, yeah, exactly. Having my daughter, I feel um, that it's even more of a, like, I'm still on my journey to self-improvement. It it doesn't just stop there, you know, now it's like I'm legal or I'm like new into the legal field and, you know, still, um, have a lot of ahead of me that I want to accomplish, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so far again, you know, I guess, you know, that's part of the, um, like diversity that I bring into the firm, but, um, again, I've had nothing but great experiences with everybody, like being understanding, you know, that I do also play the role as a mom and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's been great to have like amazing, like flexibility and, uh, um, a support team as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that kind of, and, and to be fair, like all these um, sort of areas of diversity do flow into each other a lot because, you know, a lot of these are marginalized. And, and so mm-hmm. we're going to sort of feel a lot of those same things together, but um I was thinking about, you know, what you were talking about, Nora, with with having your daughter and sort of navigating that at work. And it's one of those things where people look at moms and it's like, well, what what makes a successful mom or what makes a successful woman at work who has a child? And it's like, um, I, I wonder if success for you being a working mom um sort of what that looks like for you and then how the workforce in general not necessarily just satc but how the workforce in general can move to better support and better encourage working moms um that's a tough one i need a minute to think about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah well Mm-hmm. While you're thinking about that, I would just like to jump in and mention, you know, Nora and I have both said a few times how we've had a great experience here at SATC, but that is really not necessarily the norm for women who are in the legal profession. Uh, this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, women and minorities and of, you know, um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, as well as LGBTQ community, um, vastly underrepresented in the legal field. Um, For the past three years, it hasn't changed and hasn't really um, changed that much in the past decade. Only 36% of um, working professionals in the legal field are women. Um, And 85% of them are 85% of people in the legal field are white compared to only 77% of people in America are white. And, you know, obviously about 50% of the population are women. And it's even more startling when you look at, um, for the third year in a row, well, since 2016, women have been outnumbering men in law schools. And for the past 30 years, there hasn't been more than a 10% difference in the amount of women versus men enrolled in law schools. However, only, um, as I said, only about a third of people in the profession are women. 
And um, then um, only and currently more women go to law school than men. They're at 50.3 percent of enrollees. However, even though this has been the case for most decade, only 22.7 percent of um, partners are women and only 19 percent of them are equity partners um, as far as. Um, people who are general counsel for Fortune 500 companies, only about 26% of women are in those positions. Only 32% of law school deans are women, and only 27% of judges are women. And um, a couple years ago, the president of the American Bar Association, uh, um, she had a special initiative to determine like why so many women are dropping out when we should be approaching equal rates. It should be growing. And it's the percentage of women in the field. It's not really growing right now. It's remained stagnant for almost a decade. Um, and they just, it's straight up harassment and gender bias affects women so much that many of them are leaving at what should be the height of their careers. And when you compare compensation among partners, Male partners are making 53% more money than their female counterparts. So even if you get to be a woman who's a partner at a law firm, odds are you're making far less money than your male counterparts. And, um, you know, I've heard stories of women who get harassed on a regular basis at their jobs. So while we have had positive experiences, I do just want to make it clear that the legal profession has a really long way to go. Only 5% of lawyers are Black, only 5% are Hispanic, only 3% are Asian, and none of these percentages have changed in over a decade. And so we need to do a lot more work as a field in encouraging women, promoting them, women and black indigenous and people of color really need a lot more inclusivity in the legal profession. And, you know, it's sort of the same as Nora said, you know, it's a hard question to ask what you can do for moms. It's a hard question that is going to take more than just, you know, a few of us talking today to really get it done. The legal profession has a lot of work to do in terms of their diversity and inclusion initiatives. Yeah, and Savannah, I think in some ways that is the answer, right? If you, you can't solve issues without having some representation at the table mm-hmm. where you can't, because you just can't know what those are and you just can't understand how people are feeling and being treated unless they have an opportunity to share that. And until you get some of that into the upper into upper management into to executive leadership you're just not going to hit the nail on the head and so i think that does speak a lot to what one of the obvious things that needs to happen is uh is that women need to give women need to be given the opportunity to lead from the higher levels and not just you know middle management or lower management, but they also need to be put in places of upper management and executive levels. Mm-hmm. And they need to be paid the same amount yeah. as their yeah. male counterparts. Yeah. Yeah. And then to come back around, I mean, it, this ties into it also that, right, but that they should just be, a woman should also be taken just as serious and um, that it shouldn't come into play, mm-hmm. you know, 
whether they're a mom or a dad. And then also um, it should be an even playing field for all, like both moms and dads. I feel um, a lot of times it's looked at different. Like if a dad, you know, somebody in the workplace that's a father, like needs to leave mm-hmm. for, you know, a, a school event, and, you know, then they get like, oh, that's so sweet, a high five. But then if sometimes, it, you know, then they look at it. If, if a mom has to leave, it's like, oh, well, you know, she has other responsibilities. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It, like it's looked at differently. Yeah, it's like white men are always given the benefit of the doubt, whereas uh, anyone with any sort of uh, minority status has to work harder for that. Well, I think that's a really good example of the no-win situation that minorities frequently feel is that, okay, women are expected to take care of their families, to take care of their households first. But obviously, like a lot of you have to work, they have to work, they have to provide uh, just as well. And so, and, and they're educated to do that and they have the skills to do that. And so they want to work. And so people expect for women to take care of their families at all costs, but then when they need to leave to take care of their families, it's like, oh, well, you know, we're all sitting here working hard and she's like going off to do something or whatever, you know, pick up her sick kid or whatever. Like it, that's kind of that no one situation where it's like you, like my place is in the home. And yet when I'm doing that, like I'm looked at as not as professional or not as um, accessible because I'm taking care of that. So I'm sure that is, uh, you know, I think that's an example of how a lot of times uh, people of color, minorities, people of uh, non-male genders are feeling about, uh, about that double standard. Yeah, well, especially the legal profession doesn't even have statistics on, um, you know, I have been saying men and women, but I would obviously like to acknowledge that there are more than just those two genders, but all the statistics are very binary. Right. Yeah, and I think that um, it's really interesting to hear the female perspective because it is such a, a large number, you know, it's like, we, there are a lot of different races and ethnicities and cultures that, that are out there. Um, but females make up such a large percentage of the population where it's like, it's crazy that any person or any group of people have to fight for civil rights. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But it's really crazy that this huge percentage of the population is still seeing such, you know, big numbers of issues and, 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 and really just not being understood or being cared for the way that they should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Nora, I want to ask you a question, um, since you're sort of still young in your legal career, um, kind yeah. of hearing what Savannah has shared about, um, the, the, the numbers. So we're going to look at numbers now just of, of women in the, the legal field and, and their sort of representation in not just being in the legal field, but being in, in management. Uh, sort of how do you feel about your future in law and sort of the future of law being so young and, and sort of knowing all of that? How does that make you feel? I think of anything, it just... M- makes it more attractive to me that um, 
too, you know, that Savannah and I do hold that power as women to um, come in and, you know, look at those statistics and see that there's such a huge difference and, you know, that we have power to come in and and be a you know a part of this field because uh, for all women you know what I mean and encourage other women too uh, because you know nobody said that law is just for men you know it's not it's not that way like both you know both men and women are just as adequate to practice law. I would say you know I just finished law school. And um, my first year class, we take all our classes with the same people. So it's with the same 70 people every day. And far more than 50% of that class was women. Um, there was a um, more than 5%, I would say, of my classmates were black or people of color. Um, and, you know, as we went through law school, all of the a lot of student leadership positions were um, occupied by um, black individuals or and women, um, a lot of black women. And I think it's really hopeful that we are seeing now in, you know, our generation of people. I'm sort of an older law student, but um, our generation of young starting lawyers, of young legal professionals are really committed to doing the work necessary to change those statistics, to see more people of color, more black people, more women in positions of power. Um, So I, you know, I'm hopeful, but there is still a lot of work to do. And it, you know, we're going to need the help. Like we, it's not just us doing the work. We need the legal profession to listen to us as well. But, um, I'm hopeful for the future of the legal profession. We'll wrap up our diversity podcast next week with Savannah and Nathan sharing their experiences of being in the LGBT community. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.